You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Choice Words. We've all, well, not all maybe, but most people have used this phrase, a few choice words. This actually, in its original use, according to one dictionary, choice words referred to spoken or written text that was deemed excellent, admirable. The current idiomatic uses arise or arose by ironic inversion. So if you use choice words, those used to be the right words, specific words, you thought about it, and they were meant to have some emphasis and lift someone up. Not so much anymore. Choice words now are something said bluntly in a scornful, often profane manner. Another dictionary says it's an idiom that refers to vulgar or obscene language. That is, choice words are similar to, can be like swear words. Now, I'm not saying this for effect or shock, but for some reason, the thing that comes to me when I think of choice words is when people run out of words, basically F you comes out you know what, because that's all you got, right? That's the worst thing you can come, there's other things you can say, but the F-bomb has an air force, right? It's got people everywhere dropping these. And it accomplishes its purpose. If that's your choice word, I'm sure it works in the moment, but choice words do not work long-term. So let me read you some scriptures beginning in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 32. So this is one of those areas, and by the time we get to the end of the New Testament, you'll see this is one of these areas that if you can somehow act, let's say you're not even a Christian, but you think you're supposed to act a certain way or you claim to know God, you can kind of pull that off a little bit, but most people, when they open their mouth, give themselves completely away. You can try to be nice. You can even try to come across like gentle and compassionate. But sooner or later, whatever's in there, and I'll read you a scripture about this, whatever is in your heart is sooner or later coming out of your mouth. So Proverbs 10, 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. So no regard, just say whatever. It's not about people saying whatever they think, most people say whatever they are. There's a difference. If you are perverse, your words are going to be perverse. You don't even have to think about them. They're gonna bypass your brain. They're coming straight from your heart, out your mouth, and that's what's in there, and that's what you're gonna get. Because if you had a brain, you'd think about what you were about to say. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So pop off and say something. And I've read something recently about this. You know, women say things to women, and that could last into eternity. 
right? There's no forgetting it. A guy can punch into the guy and then come back around a few minutes there and go, hey, dude, you know, sorry. Go, okay, let's get a burger. You know, and it's over. Like, what in the world? But some words you don't get back. And sometimes you kind of feel like someone had hit you rather than unleash the words on you because words can cut so severely. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Ecclesiastes 10, 12. And you say, well, there's a lot of verses about words. Lots of verses. I'm not reading you all of them. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. The words of his mouth begin with foolishness, and the end of his talk is raving madness. So this is unfortunately what happens too many times. You get a foolish person who runs their mouth, they operate out of passions, out of emotion, and so when they feel something, it just comes straight out their mouth, and too many times, those people are the people that end up representing Christians. As I've described it, these are people that are not mad at hell, they are mad as hell, and that's all you get. Now, let me read you some more choice words. These come from the Planned Parenthood site. Choice words. Now, this is straight from their site. To be more clear and inclusive with our word choices, we at Planned Parenthood say, quote, pro-reproductive rights. They're not pro-choice. They're redefining all this, pro-reproductive rights and the other side, pro-life, would be anti-abortion. If you're pro-life, to them, you're not pro-life. You are anti-abortion. To describe people's beliefs about abortion access, it goes on to say pro-life versus pro-choice. Generally, people who identify as pro-choice believe that everyone has the basic human right to decide when and whether to have children. When you say you're pro-choice, you're telling people that you believe it's okay for them to have the ability to choose abortion as an option for an unplanned pregnancy, even if you wouldn't choose abortion for yourself. This all sounds so beautiful. People who oppose abortion often call themselves pro-life. However, the only life many of them are concerned with is the life of the fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus. They are much less concerned about the life of women who have unintended pregnancies or the welfare of children after they're born. In fact, many people who call themselves quote-unquote pro-life support capital punishment, the death penalty, and oppose child welfare legislation. Anti-abortion people tend to, so if you're pro-life, anti-abortion according to them, disagree with most medical authorities about the definition of pregnancy. They mistakenly believe that pregnancy begins with the fertilization of the egg. I didn't know that that was not when it started. Most authorities believe that pregnancy begins when the implantation of the fertilized egg into the lining of the uterus is complete. They believe that people should not be allowed to use birth control. I don't know where they're getting that. A lot of people are using that. They want to overturn the 1973 U.S. Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade. In that decision, the court ruled that a woman's right to choose abortion is protected by the Constitution and that abortion is legal throughout the United States. Okay, you say, well, and by the way, you can be a Christian and agree with everything I just read. You say, well, how is that even possible? 
I don't agree with any, you know, if your position is that you don't agree with that, and I don't agree with that. Now, I said this the other day, and I'm going to say it again as gently as I can. We have got to stop being shocked by what non-believers and carnal slash new believers still believe. You cannot expect someone who becomes a Christian who has been living who knows what life, and on a dime they become a Christian. You say, well, you became a Christian. You're supposed to abandon every thought, every idea, everything you ever had, and immediately ramp up to where I am for me to be happy. It's not going to happen. You didn't do that. It takes time. It's a process. So here's where this gets crazy. Obviously, these pro-choice people have words, but what are our words in response to their words? So some of the worst scenes you will ever see is outside of the Supreme Court or outside of a pregnancy center when some lunatic Christians show up or are not and are posing as that to make us look bad and they're screaming their choice words. You're going to hell. Burn in hell, baby killers. And they're all ramped up and angry. And we wonder why no one wants to be a Christian. You say, well, is, is, that, is that all true? Man, why don't you ask Jesus what he would like to say to those people? You say, but they're wrong. You know what? I'm wrong sometimes. Do I need to be called out? Is there a way to call someone out? Yes, there are choice words in the best sense of the definition that need to be used, but whatever you're protesting. Now, you say, well, I just get so furious. You say these things and people have a right to choose. Like, look, don't be angry with me. Go climb in your closet and tell God what's up and ask him what's up and go to the scriptures. And I tell people, you know, you don't agree with me, bring me your verses. Don't bring me your Planned Parenthood quotes. Bring me your verses. I don't care what they say. I want to know what God says. And if you stay in the scripture long enough and you grow up, you'll discover that a person is a person is a person. It's just inside, outside the womb, they're a person. Matthew chapter 5. So, you say, well, you're talking a lot about words today. But where do the words originate you can ultimately never change your words if you don't change your mind, if you don't change your heart, right? Because if it's coming from inside of you, then something has to change inside of you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. And then these words, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Just this phrase alone, bless those who curse you. If you have not been changed from the inside out and you're in a situation and someone says, well, you know what, F you. And your instinct is to come back with, well, you know what, you too. That's who you are. You say, well, no, no, that was just a moment. That stuff doesn't come out of just nowhere. And if you're using these words and you say, well, where does this apply? How about a marriage? Just because one of you says some fool thing to the other doesn't require the other one to say some fool thing back. And if you've been doing that, how's that working out for you in your marriage? It's not working out. Because once you let the cannons fire, it's hard to put them up. Because that's how you operate. But if God changes your heart, the words that you use with each other change. 
I don't make a big deal about this with people, but I watch people when they get saved and as they start to grow, one of the things that changes is their words. It's really, really fascinating. And they'll say, you know what? People at work are saying, dude, you don't, something's different about you. You don't talk the way you used to talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about on this one? Right? Now you say, well, uh, that guy, you said he got saved Tuesday and I heard him say, damn, on Wednesday. If we were as rattled about our own personal lack of growth as we are about what everybody else is doing, we might change. Matthew 12. And by the way, this is one of these sermons. You're like, oh, that was interesting. It can't just be interesting. This one can't just be interesting. This one, you have to either say, Lord, change me, and something changes, or you just wasted your time. And you go back to being whoever you were and whoever you are, and whatever has been coming out is going to come out, nothing's going to change. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, brood of vipers. He's calling these guys out. So there is time to call people out. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, who did Jesus go after? Think about this. Jesus went after the religious lunatics, the people that were supposed to be running his deal. Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, these people, whitewashed tombstones, called them that. They're hypocrites. They're putting this out there as though it's from God. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he literally says to them, how can you being evil speak good things? If someone is evil on the inside, they're going to speak evil things. Stop being shocked by that. So you say, well, I don't want to be around those people. Where are you going to go? Doesn't mean you have to go on vacation with them. But if I'm with someone and I hear what's coming out of their mouth, and if it's evil what's coming out of their mouth, then I know something's wrong on the inside. That should trigger some compassion and a desire for me to speak to that person and say, hey, tell me about yourself. Oh, but they're evil. Of course they are. What else are they going to be? They're lost. Luke 4.22. And now this is describing Jesus. So all bore witness to him and marveled at what? The gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Talking about Jesus here. This is the kind of stuff they need to be saying about us. Because when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit moves in. Jesus is in your life. So if he is the one changing your life, then the same thing that came out of his mouth will start coming out of my mouth. Gracious words will begin to proceed out of my mouth because my mouth is his mouth. And they go, wait, isn't that the guy from Mahaya? Dude, what happened to him? Gracious words. Like, who is this? Ephesians 4, verse 29. And now it narrows in a little more. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You say, well, that guy's just, he's just out of line. He's wrong. I'm going to call him out. I think it's Galatians 6 1 talks about, brethren, if you're ever taking a fault, you are spiritual, restore such a one. If you're all worried about his sin and how destructive it is in his life, then you come humbly to that person. You say, look, dude, I'm so terrified that this is going to go wrong. I'm trying to help you. You know I love you. I pray for you. I care about you. I sense that this is going so far the wrong direction, it's going to destroy your life. That's none of your business. I get you feel that way, but you know, and you're going to do what you want to do, but I love you. I care about you. That's a whole nother deal. Then you're going to hell if you keep that up. 
where now you're angry. Now, if they can perceive that you're angry at what their sin is doing to them and you're not just angry at them, then there's some hope there. Titus chapter three. Some of y'all got your Bible open to the table of contents going, oh, he's running out of books. There's hope. This may end soon. <laughs> Advantage of going left to right, you know, there's hope. Titus chapter three, verse one. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. You know where the thing falls apart? You just go, I don't want to be that person. I like being me. I like being mean. I like being out of control. It's just who I am. You can't be a Christian and be who you were. He'll change you. Well, I don't want him to change me. I like me the way I am. Why don't you ask around how many other people are crazy about you the way you are? Speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Drop that person in a pro-life parade out front of a clinic. It's night and day difference. You drop a godly person outside of a Planned Parenthood, whatever place it is, and you will see a humble servant, someone who is probably praying their guts out, and when someone walks in or out, they are pleading with them this way, peaceable, gentle, not speaking evil, showing humility, and that may cause that girl, that couple, that whoever to say, wow, who is that? Because now Jesus can finally show up through your words and even who you are. James chapter three, Let's start here in verse one and we'll just read down to a few of these verses. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment for we all stumble in many things. I love that little phrase. You should underline that. You get discouraged about being a Christian and it's not going perfectly. That's what the scripture says. We all stumble in many things. If you stumble, stumble ain't fallen by the way. You might stumble, now sometimes you fall. Even if you stumble and fall, what are you going to do? Get up. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder where the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles our whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. So why do we get so much trouble with our mouths? Because they are lit in hell when evil stuff is coming out. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man, operative words here, but no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Let me go just a little bit deeper so I don't leave anybody out. You say, well, I'm not saying anything. There's no one that would accuse me of saying, cursing, any, even any curse words. Why don't we hook your brain up to a monitor and see what you say in traffic? 
not out loud, what words are being spoken in your head. You just got a lid on it, not going to let it out. Whatever's in your heart, I'm telling you, pay attention to that. The words that surface out of a heart are tremendous indicators of who's living in that house. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh, you know, What's going on? Why have you got both things coming out? This is a challenge, and it's a challenge for everybody. Last one, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. And you can't just read over these verses without chewing on them and digesting them. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Bless those who curse you. Now, this is not hard. It's impossible. You cannot live this life without Jesus. But I'm telling you, if you will yield your life to his life, things will start changing literally in terms of what comes out of your mouth. I mean, somebody starts at you with yo mama something and you don't come back with yo mama, you come back with my daddy, you know, and, and everything changes. <laughs> my last kind of choice words are this. There are situations where you have a choice of words and the word is either yes or the word is no. I keep thinking I'm running out of extraordinary experiences. I met with a guy, sat with him the other day and... I think sometimes we assume people are Christians and they're not necessarily Christians. So in our conversation, he knew a certain amount of things about certain things. And finally I said, if you drop dead sitting in that chair, what happens to you? He says, well, you know, I think, and I realized he didn't know. I said, has anybody ever explained to you that you could be sure if you died, that you could be sure you'd go to heaven? He said, no. I said, would you be interested in being sure? He said, absolutely no pressure, no coercion. He was so ready, he would almost jumped off the limb into the basket by himself. I explained the gospel to him. I said, God loves you. Jesus died on the cross, buried, raised from the dead. All of this has been made possible by him, his payment, and he's offering you eternal life as a gift. Would you be interested in receiving that? Yes. I said, we well, don't do it right now. Yes. So we prayed. He got saved. I said, is your wife saved? Has she ever done what we just did? He said, I don't think so. I said, all right, here's my cell number, and I don't care, I don't tell many people this, but I don't care if it's the middle of the night, I want you to go home and help your wife do this. I said, there's nothing that I've said to you that is so complicated that you can't help her. I got a text that night, probably around 10 something o'clock. He says, is it too late? And I called him. He said, I'm sitting here with my wife, and I just explained what you did to me, and she prayed. That man led his own wife to Jesus within hours of being born himself. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, 
richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Now you say, well, what are the choice words? In their case, the words were yes and yes. But you have a choice. It just may be where I'm sitting or whatever's going on. I'm going to tell you something. Something's going on in our world. And where evil abounds, Jesus shows up. And we have to pay attention. People are desperate. What they are trying, what they've tried, the life they're living, from abortions to whatever else, it all comes caving in on you. And of all the people on the planet that need to be poised with sharpened sickles in our hands, ready to engage the harvest, is Christians. Not angry, not bitter, but gracious and loving and kind and ready to engage with people who have nowhere else to turn and they're not fighting it. I'm running into more and more people. I'm not talking to anybody. I've never talked to anybody into becoming a Christian, but it's not a long conversation. They are ready when the conversation hits. They just don't know what to do. And so many are so perplexed why no one shows up to help them. So if you're looking for a choice of words today, I would pick one word, it'd be yes to whatever Jesus is offering, yes. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.